Would you turn in your Bible, please, to the book of Obadiah? Obadiah. Now, that book comes right after Amos in the Old Testament, and right before Jonah. And in my Bible, it's on page 939. Obadiah. This is the shortest book in the Old Testament, but it has an unforgettable message that is important for us today. There are 21 verses in the little book of Obadiah, and I want to read all 21 of those verses. Will you give careful attention? We're thankful for the beautiful music this morning and songs that have been sung. The organ and chimes played this morning were in honor of Mrs. Easley. She used to say, I wish Retha would play from the chimes more. And uh, we thank the Lord for those beautiful chimes. And for the lovely song, When I Can Read My Title Clear. And the challenge that began the service this morning, when Mrs. Sucher reminded us, by and by when I look on his face, I wish I'd given him more. All of that is part of this sermon today. May we pray. Our Father, we ask for the Spirit of the Lord to guide us. And may every person here be aware that the Holy Spirit has spoken to our hearts. We ask that if there's one person in this place who is not saved, that this will be a day of conversion, of victory, of coming to Christ. May the work of the Spirit of God be done effectively. Use the Word, bless the Word. In Jesus' name, meet needs and encourage. We pray for the glory of God. Amen. Reading from the book of Obadiah, the vision of Obadiah, thus saith the Lord concerning Edom. We have heard a rumor from the Lord, and an ambassador is sent among the nations. Arise, and let us rise up against her in battle. Behold, I have made thee small among the nations, thou art greatly despised. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Thou who dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, who saith in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? Though thou exalt thyself like the eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, from there will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. If thieves come to thee, if robbers by night, how art thou cut off? Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If the grape gatherers came to thee, would they not leave some grapes? How are the things of Esau searched out? How are his hidden things sought out? All the men of thy confederacy have brought thee even to the border. The men that were at peace with thee have deceived thee and prevailed against thee. They that eat thy bread have laid a trap under thee. There is no understanding in him. Shall I not in that day, saith the Lord, even destroy the wise men out of Edom and understanding out of the mount of Esau? And thy mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed to the end that every one of the mount of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. 
For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame shall cover thee. Thou shalt be cut off forever. In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces, and foreigners entered into his gates and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou wast as one of them. But thou shouldst not have looked on that day of thy brother in the day that he became a stranger. Neither shouldst thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of thy destruction, of their destruction. Neither shouldst thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress. Thou shouldst not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Yea, thou shouldst not have looked on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor have laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. Neither shouldst thou have stood in the crossway to cut off, to cut off those of his that did escape. Neither shouldst thou have delivered up those of his that did remain in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. For as, they, as ye have drunk upon my holy mountain, so shall all the nations drink continually. Yea, they shall drink, and they shall swallow down, and they shall be as though they had not been. But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. And the house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Edom, Esau for stubble, and they shall kindle in them and devour them. And there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken it. For they of the Negev shall possess the mount of Esau, and they of the Shepelah, the Philistines, they shall possess the fields of Ephraim and the fields of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. And the captives of this host of children of Israel shall possess that of the Canaanites, even unto Zarephath. And the captives of Jerusalem, which is in Shephard, shall possess the cities of the Negev. And saviors shall come up in Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Now you may say, what application is there from Obadiah to today? Well, let me tell you about it. I hope you'll try to remember this. I'm going to give you some history of Israel and then some applications, applications for today. Jerusalem had been plum plundered by Babylon. Now, God had predicted this because Jerusalem had sinned against the Lord. No nation can ever get by with sin. No person can get by with sin. No family can get by with sin. Be sure your sin will find you out. Now, Jerusalem had grievously sinned, and God allowed a pagan, heathen nation, Babylon, to rise up in judgment and to bring judgment upon Jerusalem. But remember that that's God doing that. The Edomites were the descendants of Esau. Esau and Jacob were twin brothers. Now Jacob was a supplanter. He had stolen the birthright of Esau. 
That's not right. Jacob later gave his life to the Lord. Esau became so embittered that he turned away from God and never came to God. The descendants of Jacob were the Israelites. The descendants of Esau were the Edomites. Now, you might say that the Edomites were cousins of the Israelites. They were in the same family. But when Babylon came down as an arm of judgment against Israel or Judah, the Edomites, who were down in the south country, saw it happening, and they just applauded. They were just thrilled to death. They were glad. And they stood on the other side and did nothing to help. There were some fugitives that tried to escape, and they were intercepted by the Edomites and taken into slavery and handed over to the Babylonians. The Edomites just stood on the other side. They did nothing to help their cousins. They were some of the, from the same family. Instead of that, they were filled with pride, filled with jealousy, filled with, with egotism, and so glad that at last Israel was going to be punished that they just laughed with glee. Now, folks, you don't ever laugh with glee at judgment. No matter who's getting judged. Now, we have some of that today when somebody gets in trouble, they say, oh, I told you so. Mm-hmm. Just expected that to happen. Or in a family, when somebody has done something wrong and mom or dad have to spank one of the kids, and the other kid stands over there and just laughs and says, Ah ha ha, I told you so, I thought it would happen like that. That's wrong. That's wrong. Standing on the other side. The Edomites stood on the other side. Now, the reason we know it's wrong is because God says so in this book. A little chapter, one little chapter, the shortest chapter in the entire, the shortest book in the entire Old Testament, God leads Obadiah to bring a message of judgment against Edom because they stood on the other side and did nothing to help those who were being, who were under judgment. Did nothing to help. Now, the Edomites always hated the Israelites. How different that is from what occurred in Nazi Germany. Most of you heard the story of Corrie ten Boom, that wonderful story that was put out, the book that was written. Corrie ten Boom and her family, mother and father, her husband, others of the family, tried to protect the Jews. Now, Corey Ten Boone was a Christian. You know that the Jews do not believe in Jesus. But there's a close strain between the Jews and the Christians. We both are monotheistic. We both go back to the same God. And when the Nazis came in to kill all the Jews and to put them in freight cars and take them to concentration camps to exterminate them, and they did six million Jews that way, Corrie ten Boone and her family and many others 
would hide the Jews in their home. They didn't stand on the other side. Now it was the spiritual milk of human kindness and spiritual love that reached out from the heart of Carrie Tumboon and her family that rescued those Jews even at their own peril and when it was discovered by the Nazis they came along and arrested the father, the mother, the family. They took Corey's daddy and husband, put them on a wagon. And as they left, Corey's father said, remember, Jesus never fails. They never saw them again. They were killed. And so here was Corey Ten Boone and her family who literally gave their lives instead of standing on the other side. They did what they could. Now it's just the opposite of what the Edomites did. They just stood on the other side. And when the, when the Babylonians came in, they could have aided the Israelites, but they didn't. They refused to. They did nothing. Instead, they intercepted some of the fugitives who tried to get away and turned them over to the Babylonians. I think Great Britain better be careful today. It's my understanding that in Hong Kong, there are many boat people from Vietnam who want to escape to the West. And Great Britain says we have all we can take. America says we have all we can take. And they're going to send them back to certain death. Standing on the other side. Listen, I believe one reason God has spared America in regardless of our sin and all the other things is because we've had an open door. And we've said, come. And that Statue of Liberty standing in New York Harbor has said, come. Give to me all your poor and those who want to escape the tyranny of other nations and come, there's freedom and liberty here. But when we line up with those who stand on the other side, you may not like what I'm saying, but it's a spiritual principle. We dare not do that. Now, let's think for a few moments. What is the sin of standing on the other side? Just standing on the look at verse 11. In the day that thou stoodest on this other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces and foreigners entered into his gates and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou wast as one of them. It's a sin against nature. Edom and Israel were brothers. Their father, they had the same father. Esau's father, Jacob's father, same man. And so they were cousins. They were a family of cousins. And so they sinned against nature. They sinned against conscience. There's an inner dictate in the heart that says we need to help when there's some judgment going on. When there's something going wrong, we need to reach out an arm of help. It's a sin against responsibility. It's a sin against the Savior. Now, what, how do you recognize standing on the other side? I want to give you some examples. 
You see a crack in the dam, and you do nothing to warn the people that live down in the valley. And so that crack grows and grows, and the water, the power of that water forces against that dam, and you've known the crack is there, and all those people living down in the valley, you do nothing, and the dam breaks, and the water comes. You've stood on the other side. You've done nothing. You see a burglar with his stealth trying to get into a house, and you do nothing. You don't say anything about it. You're aware of it, but you do nothing about it. You're standing on the other side. God says there's judgment in that. There's a teenage code that says, well, if I see somebody doing something wrong, I'm not going to tell anybody. Folks, as you grow into maturity, if you're standing with a group of kids, punch that guy over and wake him up. I don't want anybody to go to sleep this morning. Yeah. Yeah. This is very important what I'm going to say to you. Listen carefully. If you're with a group of kids and one of those kids takes something, robs, does something that's wrong and you keep your mouth shut, you don't say anything about it. I guarantee it'll be found out and when it is found out you will be an accessory after the fact. And you'll be just as guilty as the one that did it. You stood on the other side. That's what God's judgment in Obadiah is all about. We dare not stand on the other side. You see a man down on the side of the road and you do nothing to stop and help him. You're standing on the other side. Jesus told the story of a this good Samaritan we call it. Man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among thieves and they stripped him and robbed him and they left him in the ditch for dead. And a priest came down and said, well, I'm in a hurry, I can't stop. And he went on. A Levite came down and he said, I'm in a hurry, I can't, I can't stop, I've got to go to church. Somebody else came along and he said, I can't stop. But there was a Samaritan who hated the Jews and the Jews hated the Samaritans. But the Samaritan came along and he saw a man down in the ditch and he stopped and he said, I've got to help that guy. And he reached down and tried to wake him up. The guy didn't even want to wake up. He tried to wake him up, tried to help him, put him on his own beast, bandaged up his wounds, sent him into the city, took, put him in a place where he could be helped. And he said, now, whatever it costs, charge that to my account. And forever and forever, there has gone down what we call the Good Samaritan. That guy didn't stand on the other side. You see an accident, and you do not stop and offer to give aid. If it's discovered that you passed the accident and did nothing, you could be arrested for not stopping and giving aid to somebody in trouble. A few years ago, one of the magazines told the story of a lady who was going into this complex apartment. It was shaped much like the old Alamo over on Kentucky Street. And there were apartments all around, like a horseshoe. And this lady was going to her home, and a man accosted her and stopped and raped her. 
and then stabbed her. And nobody did anything. And that news account in the magazine later reported there were at least 10 people that saw it happen. But they said, we don't want to get involved. Standing on the other side. You see the enemy of communism approaching and you take no stand. You see the liberal views of the atheists and the abortionists taking over an entire country and their opinion and you do nothing. Maybe you remember that particular party and that party puts up a candidate that's for abortion and is easy on atheism and you say, well, I'll tell you, I'm a member of that party. I got to vote that party regardless. You stand on the other side, you do nothing. That's wicked. I'm a Democrat. I sure do wish they'd put up some conservative Democrats so I could vote for one. You won't like that, I know. God bless you anyway. You see liberalism taking over the schools and the work of a convention of churches and you do nothing to take a stand. You do not pay the price. You just stand on the other side. Just wink at it and say, well, it's all right. It's not so bad after all. There's room for everybody. God says there's judgment on that. That's the reason year after year after year we've tried to take at least 10 messengers to the Southern Baptist Convention to take stands against liberalism. You see the importance of the church moving forward preparing for and equipping itself for the 21st century. And you have the kind of attitude that says, well, we don't need to worry about tomorrow. Everything's okay today. Let's maintain the status quo. And you stand on the other side. You hear the Word of God say holiness belongs to God's people. I am holy, be ye holy. And you say, well, we'll just do whatever the world does. We don't want to try to paddle upstream too much. It's too tiring. How many of you have ever had experience of being out in a little boat and the stream is going the other way and you've tried to paddle? I don't know whether we usually have motorboats today, but years ago we used paddle boats. Have you ever tried to, and you paddled against the current, try to paddle upstream. Has anybody ever done that? Or several of you have. That's hard, isn't it? Makes your arms tired. And after a while, you get weary, and somebody has to help you with it if the tide's very strong. It's like swimming against the tide. It's like being out in an ocean, <clears throat> and the tide is going out with all of its force, and you're trying to come in. That's not easy. There are a lot of things not easy in life. You see somebody hungry and in need, and you say, well, they're always hungry. If there's not something inside of you that says, I can't stand that, I've got to help somebody that's hungry, you're standing on the other side. You see somebody in trouble, 
You see somebody who is standing by their loved ones and that loved one is going down and down and down and after a while they'll be gone and you do nothing to reach out a hand of help, a hand of love, a hand of prayer or just come and stand there. You know one of the most disarming things for most of us is visiting funeral homes where there's been a death or going into the home where there's a death. A lot of people say, well I don't know what to say so I don't go. Folks, you don't need to say anything. You just go and stand there. You say, well, I don't want to be standing there like a bump on the log. That's exactly what you are. Just stand there. Just go up and shake hands and say, I love you. Praying for you. That's all you have to do. And if you've ever been through that, you know how much help that is. Just somebody standing there with you. A lot of us avoid that. We stand on the other side. God says there's judgment on that. Now, the severest of all kinds of judgment concerning that very matter is spoken of in the book of Ezekiel. Hold your finger in Obadiah and turn to Ezekiel. Look at chapter 33 a moment. In Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 7. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman of the house of Israel, Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth, and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. You know what that's saying? That's saying if you see lost people, they're under the judgment of God. He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And the wrath, W-R-A-T-H, the anger of God abideth on him. Those who are lost, the anger of God abides on them, dear friend. They may not know it. They may not understand it. But nonetheless, it's true. And if those of us who know God through Jesus Christ know of people who are lost on their way to death, on their way to separation from God, on their way to hell, and we do nothing. We don't go try to win them. We don't pray for them. We don't go just stand by them and say, I don't know what to say. I don't know the words to say. I don't even know the scriptures to say, but I care about you and I don't want you to be lost. We're afraid of their rebuff. We're afraid we don't know what to say. We're afraid they won't like us. They think we're square. They think we're crazy. They think we're a religious nut. And so we do nothing. We're guilty of standing on the other side, my beloved friend. God says there's judgment on that in the day that thou stoodest on the other side. Now hear me and I'll be finished. Those who know 
that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. He died on the cross for our sins. Three days later, he was raised from the grave for our justification. There's healing in Jesus. There's forgiveness in Jesus. There's cleansing in Jesus. There's the end of your guilt in Jesus. There's home in, in Jesus. There's heaven in Jesus. There's companionship. There's friendship. There's love in Jesus. And you know that he died for you. And you stand on the other side. And you say, not today. Not now. Some of the time. Preacher, don't press me right now. I don't know how many times in these years I've had somebody say, Preacher, don't, don't push me. Don't press me. Oh, I wish I'd press some more. Standing on the other side. You come face to face with the cross of Christ as a junior boy or girl. As a younger boy or girl. As a teen. As a young adult. As someone reaching the, the, the shadow time of life. And you know that Christ died. He died for you. He wants to save you. He wants to be your friend and companion and your love. And you say, no, not today. I'll wait. I'll put it off some other time, some more convenient season. Almost, but lost. You're standing on the other side. And there's a severe judgment for those standing on the other side. If you are there today, you've never been saved. You've never come to Christ. You've never repented of your sins and received Him as your Savior. You can do it now. But if you do not, you're on the other side. You're standing on the other side and there's an awful judgment there. Let me plead with you in closing today. Don't stand on the other side anywhere. Get right in there where God wants you. If God has put his hand on you and is calling you into his service, say, here am I, Lord, use me. Don't let anything make you stand on the other side. If God is calling you to be part of a church, a fellowship of believers where God can use you and you live in the area, don't stand on the other side and say, well, I'll just wait and put it off and put it off. Come today. Whatever God is saying to you. If you've been saved but have not followed the Lord in baptism, don't stand on the other side. Come and do what God tells you to do. Let's bow together in prayer, please. Our Father, we thank you for the message of Obadiah. We're thankful you put that in the Bible just to remind us the severity with which God views those who stand on the other side. Help us to never do it, but to stand right where God wants us. We pray that those who are without Jesus today will come to Christ. This will be God's day of victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand, please? Let's turn in our hymn books. What page are we on? Page 3. 361. Page 361. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. 
hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. 361. Now listen, when you found that, look at me a moment. There are folks in this very auditorium this morning who've been standing on the other side. God knows what that other side is and where you've been standing. I want to plead with you to come today. First of all, if, you, if you've never been saved, you're not a Christian, come to Christ. Receive Him as your Savior. Trust Him as your Lord. Will you do that? God help you to do it. If you've been saved, you need to follow Him in baptism. Would you come today? Take that stand for the Lord. Just come right on while we begin to sing. If you're a member of another church, God, God wants you at Glendale. Why don't you come today and you say, well, I don't know how to move my letter. You just come and our church clerk will write for your letter. Would you do that? God help you to do it. And if there's any other way God has spoken to your heart, do what he tells you to do. Stand for Christ today. While we begin to sing, will you come?